Welcome to the Blitz and Bucket Show. A little different this week. My name, Jaden Kozak. Alongside me, I have a special guest, Mitchell McDonald. Kane will not be with us this week because he is attending some other events, but he will be back with us next week. But luckily, we have Mitchell to fill in for him. Mitchell, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Probably better than Kane after watching his Kentucky Wildcats officially get out of March Madness. Yeah, so weird this year how, like, everything has changed where – you know, your Kentuckys, Dukes, North Carolinas, not looking like they're going to make the tournament. And, you know, we're so used to seeing them make deep runs almost every year. At least at least two of them make a deep run every year. Oh, yeah. It, it's got to be completely different just because they don't get these preseason routines that they usually get. They're mostly coming in with one and duns at Duke and Kentucky. And without that preseason to learn the playbook or anything, it, it's really showing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, with that, we're going to head into some NBA news. Came out this week. LaMarcus Aldridge and the Spurs look like they're going to end up breaking up. It was a mutual breakup between the two. They both want, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge wants out. San Antonio wants him out. LaMarcus Aldridge is not an easy one to get rid of, though. I, I don't see any team really wanting him. Mitchell, what do you think? Yeah. <sighs> He might have some niche somewhere, but with the way he plays, he's not athletic. He's a mid-range big man, and he doesn't really get boards or anything. He's just not as serviceable as he used to be. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It's just really weird because, like, so he's a veteran. Obviously, you know, 34, that means winning teams want him, but winning teams don't like changing their entire play style around – a, you know, 25-minute-a-night guy like LaMarcus Aldridge would be because of the mid-range and how he doesn't he doesn't shoot the three well, he doesn't rebound well, he doesn't defend well. All he really does is sit in that 15- to 20-foot area and shoot from there, and that's not really a thing in today's NBA anymore. And then the other thing that teams would want him for is the expiring deal. And since he, you know is a expiring deal in a free agent class that without Giannis being in it is very, very dry with, you know, not, there's no KDs, there's no Kyrie's, there's no LeBron's in this class. Like there have been in years past, he's not as valuable. No teams are trying to get cap space to go all in this year. So there's not really much that LaMarcus Aldridge provides. The only team that I could think that might even attempt, Maybe the Memphis Grizzlies, just because they're a very young team. They don't really have a set, like, playbook, it seems like. They don't have a lot of deadly three-point shooters or anything. So why not just bring in the veteran leadership on their attempt at a playoff push, I guess? Do you think that it would be, like, kind of a situation in which the Spurs would send something else for someone to take LaMarcus Aldridge on? Oh, yeah. He's – He's not worth much anymore. He's got way too much to his contract, and he's – like you said, you can't really plug him in without changing your entire playbook. Yeah. So, with that, we head into another power forward that wanted out and is now out. Blake Griffin, officially a net, was on the sideline tonight, obviously in street clothes, hasn't – I don't assume he's – you know, being on the sideline, he's been through all the protocols and everything, but I don't know when he's going to play, but he's now with the Nets – what do you think of the Nets getting Blake Griffin? 
Honestly, I do not see a drastic change from this. It's not really an embarrassment of riches because he's completely changed his game style from when he was in L.A. He takes a bunch of mid-range and threes now, and his field goal percentage has plummeted, and he's not exactly the rebounder they need. They could have gone for Drummond or someone like that, but I don't think Blake Griffin's averaged a double-double in his career, and he's not going to be as physical as he used to be because he's a little more cautious than he was. Yeah, I think I think he's going to come in and be a rotation piece. Maybe come playoff time, he becomes a starter because obviously you're one, going to want to have five. Like, those are five all-NBA players on the same – like, this gives very – gives big – 2018 or 2019 Warriors vibes when they brought Boogie in and they had that starting five of, you know, like a team USA team pretty much. But a lot of what Blake Griffin brings is what they already have. And he doesn't bring a whole lot of what they need. They need defense. He's not a great defender. They need rebounding, not a great rebounder. So, I mean, he's, he's obviously not one of those 30 point scores that Kyrie, Katie and Harden are. But I think he can come in, you know, he'll probably be around like 15 points per night on that team because there's so much to give around. But I, I don't know. I think the Nets are really just in how many, how much talent can we have on this team and it still works and we still, you know, win a ring. Because, like, they're, they're literally just bringing in pieces all the time to, like, like you would think that with KD – what they were, what the whole plan was with KD was this is his year to prove himself. And then you go get Harden and now you're the favorite again. Yeah. I feel like Griffin doesn't interrupt what they have enough to really change their play styles or anything, especially considering he seemed to be taking a little more of a backseat on the Detroit Pistons where there's a lack of talent there. But the thing I'm most excited for is just seeing him and DeAndre Jordan getting back yeah. together because they were they were a fun duo. Yeah. It's yeah. not going to quite be Lob City. It's going to be more like down court layup city at this point. Get the rebound city. <laughs> but so do you think this improves their chances in the East? No, I think it's about where it was. He's – the Jeff Green at Power Forward probably works better in that system they were running. He's just a nice bench piece to have at this point. Yeah, I, th- I think he brings a lot of the same of what Jeff Green brings. He's not as good of a three-point shooter, but not an outstanding defender. Veteran is, you know, just just does his job. You know, he's going to give you 15. I think maybe him being in Detroit and being, like, held captive in a crap city – for a crap team with crap coaching and crap players. I think that maybe, you know, took away his drive to do anything. So maybe we see a rejuvenated and determined Blake Griffin, but I think the odds of that are very low at, at this point in his career. So with that, we're going to take it to some NFL news. Obviously the biggest news of the week, Dak Prescott finally gets his money. He did not get franchise tagged. Uh, That was the big problem with the ankle injury. Apparently he's recovered from that very nicely enough to the point where Dallas wants to give him a long-term deal. They gave him that deal. He got his money. 
four years, 160 million, 75 in the first year, $66 million signing bonus. What do you think of the Cowboys bringing back that Prescott? It was absolutely necessary for them because the talks of them doing like a sign and trade for Russ were just ridiculous. There's no way he would have actually gone there and they would have actually schemed that up. That team was horrible without him. And Andy Dalton is probably still like a mid-tier quarterback. He could start on a team, but he looked horrible compared to Dak. The numbers cut in half on their offense and just – they had to lock him down. They should have locked him down before when he was probably talking in the 35 to $40 million range, but now they had to settle for way more. Yeah. It was just bound to happen and needed to happen way sooner. Yeah. I think it was I'm, – I'm happy for Dak Prescott. You know, I, I wasn't a huge Dak Prescott guy, but, you know, you come out – what did he have, 1,500 in his first five games? Some, some crazy number. He led the league in passing – like he was still the passing yards leader two weeks after he got hurt, like ridiculous, but I'm happy for him. Now, as far as the Cowboys go, the team's not there, right? Like, and obviously the Cowboys fan base being as big as it is with the highest expectations, probably of any team from their fans in the league, they expect Super Bowl now from Dak Prescott in this contract. The Cowboys fans want a Super Bowl from him, and that team just isn't ready. It's not. I mean, you've you've got, you know, one of the best, if not the best wide receiver group in the league, a line that has been struggling with injuries, at least over the past few years, and a defense that is definitely not ready to go to the Super Bowl with a very small amount of cap to, you know, bring in guys – you don't have too many young players on the defense that, you know, hope end up developing into guys by the time Dak Prescott's contract is on the tail end. But I think the Cowboys may have kind of just screwed up, but you didn't really have a choice but to pay him because, you know, like another thing, Jerry Jones is – he's getting up there in age. Like you don't really have time to tear this down and re- like wait till Dak's contract is up and tear it down, rebuild and – you know, compete again, like this may be like your last chance. Dak Prescott might be your last chance. So I think, you know, if you let him walk, you could have maybe tore it down and been ready to go back up again in five years, but it'll definitely be interesting to see how far he can elevate that team without a defense. Oh yeah. Elevation is the key word here. They went from a four and 12 team to an eight and eight team. Now, granted, that's probably enough to win the NFC East, but you, you get in one round of the playoffs, get a horrible draft pick, and never improve. So, yeah, it's going to be. Might have just shot themselves in the foot here. Yeah. Another statistic, or well, I guess you'd call it a statistic that I saw was no team in the last 10 years, maybe it was either in the last 10 years or ever, has ever won a Super Bowl with a quarterback winning 25 or earning $25 million in that season. And I mean, it makes sense how the Super Bowls with Brady is taking pay cuts. And a lot of these Super Bowls over the last few years, Joe Flacco was still on a lower deal. Like Russell Wilson was still on a lower deal because when you give that much cap to one player, it hurts other positions. You can, you know, you see how after the Seahawks paid Russ, they haven't been able to bring in as much talent to help him out. The Texans, 
just paid Deshaun Watson. And I mean, they're already ready to trade him away. So it'll be very interesting to see how it ends up working out with him. But I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of faith in the Cowboys to make it out of the first round next year. I think they could win that division if some things go right. Obviously, Washington is going to be, you know, a team that has a lot of potential for next year, especially if they can figure out the quarterback spot, whether that be Heineke or someone in free agency or through the draft. But I, I don't know. I don't know about the Cowboys. Yeah, touching back on what you had said with all these no top paid quarterback actually making it well winning the Super Bowl they make it they just don't win it I'm as a Chargers fan bringing this up again I'm glad to see the Chiefs demise kind of on the loom here after they cut both of their starting tackles after that massive Mahomes deal I, I granted I thought this would take a few years but with the cap hit this year being cut down a little bit because of COVID, it, it's looking shady for them. And after what happened in the Super Bowl, you would have thought they'd prioritize keeping them and maybe cutting people elsewhere. But they're they're looking like a shaky team for next year. Yeah. Now, granted, with Pat Mahomes, you're still going to be a oh, playoff yeah. team, but and not what they were. Excellent transitioning there as we're heading into <laughs> our franchise tag, you know, kind of – with free agency coming up soon, the chiefs cut both their tackles. As Mitchell just said, I don't know about like, I get that you have to make cat moves because you just gave your quarterback five, a $500 million contract. And, you know, but what I saw in the super bowl, when Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz were not there, if that's what you're going to be looking at again next year, that cannot be your goal to, you know, have your $50 million or $500 million quarterback running for his life all the time. That's a very, very like risky move because you're letting both of them walk. You've got to draft, you know, at least you take a tackle, at least one of them in the first three, if not two tackles, because oh, yeah. what do you, you don't have any money to sign a free agent. So well, the issue is there you have a garden center going to free agency too. So four out of five spots aren't going to be filled, and all of the good linemen are going to ask for double-digit millions. There's no way they're going to be able to afford it. It's going to be a plug-and-play thing unless they manage to find someone on vet men's. Yeah, like I'm PFF. You know, has a guy like Villanueva getting nine million dollars a year, like. The Chiefs can't afford the Chiefs can't even afford that. And Villanueva is a huge step down from Mitchell Schwartz. So, and I, I remember saying before they cut both of their starting tackles, I remember saying that they've got a lot of to address in the draft. You know, you got Watkins hitting for agency. So there's a small chance that they take a receiver. You've got some problems on defense. Secondary isn't quite there yet. Sneed was a good pick in the fifth round, but if he's your number one corner moving forward. I'm not confident in that. Plus the other two aren't great either. Your linebackers aren't great. You're paying Frank Clark too much to be a starter at best. They have a lot of holes to fill. And I remember people telling me when, you know, they paid Mahomes, they extended Andy Reid, and they've got all these guys and they're like, well, the chiefs should at least make it to the AFC championship for the next eight years. As long as you can keep him, 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 and him like 
they should be fine. But people forget all these little pieces like the Patriots kept competitive because of how little money Tom Brady took so they could bring in these guys each and every year. But when you have a quarterback taking up 25% of your salary, it's really hard to make a Super Bowl roster. Yeah, and if after this year with Dak and Mahomes contracts, I think there's going to be pretty glaring facts right in front of people that you can't pay quarterbacks 40-plus million dollars and expect anything to happen. And at some point, it has to be a major discussion with GMs. Yeah, they're going to be the center of your franchise for years, but is it worth not being able to protect them or provide a defense for them for the rest of their career? Yeah. And, you know, you bring up a good point with the whole quarterback contracts, something that I missed. How do you think the DAC contract affects the two guys that are next in line in Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen? Uh they're coming up on it, but maybe there will be enough proof for them to realize, hey, I can't drastically kill my team in the sour cap if it shows through that Mahomes and Dak hurt their team that bad. I mean, even Deshaun kind of hurt his team, even though they had a little bit of cap space and partially Bill O'Brien just demolishing that franchise. But I think – Lamar seems like a guy who would take a fairly team-friendly deal, probably somewhere in the Brady range. So he's still getting his money around $25 million. But I don't see him asking to break the bank yet. Personally, I'd love to see Lamar get a $300 million deal because, you know, let him run all you want. But Mason Rudolph is going to score 50 points on your defense next year. So... In it, right <laughs> but but I think Lamar I think the Ravens will end up front-loading his contract because you know there's there's still like I know that everybody's like oh well he's eventually going to get injured but like and it sounds stupid when I say that because I hate people that say that but there is a risk you know when you're running that much there's still a risk and if he gets to that end of his contract and he has injuries and you're still giving him 20, 25% of your cap, you are really, really in trouble. And I mean, the Ravens are already beginning to have, like you've got Yannick, Judon, Tyus Bowser, Pernell McPhee, all hitting for agency. Orlando Brown wants out already. Like they've got some serious choices to make this off season. And this is going to be their last year to make signings because Lamar's contract is up next year. So they've got some, Interesting, very serious choices to make. I do think, though, I think Josh Allen's going to get paid. I think he's going to get a bag from Buffalo. I think he'll probably be north of $40 million because he's shown a lot more since his rookie deal started than Dak Prescott did. I mean, he took them yeah. to an AFC championship. I believe that was their second consecutive playoff berth with him. You know, in any other year, he's looking at maybe an MVP, you know, if Rogers doesn't play yeah. as well as he does, he had an MVP caliber season this past year, which Dak Prescott can't say that he has had. So, I mean, and obviously if he wants to take a pay cut, good for the bills and smart on him because that's only going to help his chances to win a ring, but the bills are definitely going to offer him a lot of money. 
I mean, yeah, if he has another season where he shows out, he's already got a better resume than Dak because Dak was just finally starting to show that he's a good quality, probably top-tier quarterback in the NFL. And it probably saved him or earned him a lot of money by getting that injury because I don't think that team could sustain that level of offense they were running. Yeah, and you'll never know what they could have been full season because he got injured. But moving on from Dak and the Chiefs and however we got lost from the Chiefs, the Bucks had a few big decisions to make this offseason, and it seems like they've, they've already got that squared away. Chris Godwin got the franchise tag. They had, you know, three guys, Godwin, Levante David, and Shaq Barrett that, you know, all could have been solid candidates for the franchise tag. Godwin gets it. They extended David on a two-year 25, extremely team-friendly. It's going to help them out in potentially bringing back Shaq Barrett, who looks like he's going to hit the open market. What do you think of the Bucks moves? I think they did what was necessary. Shaq Barrett's seeming like he's going to turn into like a journeyman guy who's going to make a lot of money but still be really good. I think with the amount of edge rushing that there is in this free agency, there's going to be some veteran out there like Justin Houston, maybe Alden Smith, who's willing to sign. And they're not going to be Shaq Barrett, but they'll be, they'll be able to fill in his shoes for the most part. And the fact that they've been able to maintain the core of this team with the receiver core and Levante David plus Devin White at linebacker, they're serious contenders for repeating. Yeah. I agree. I think tagging Godwin was the right move because I think if Godwin hits free agency, he's going to be getting that Amari Cooper five-year, $100 million-ish contract that the Bucks just simply could not afford to pay. Whereas Shaq Barrett, he's going to get out there demanding 20. Like, do you give – if you're a team that's looking at Shaq Barrett, do you give Shaq Barrett Miles Garrett money? No. So – You've got to, like, once he gets out there, would you rather take 17, 16 million from, say, Indianapolis, who desperately needs pass rush? And, I mean, they're going to be a playoff team next year, almost surely. But are they a Super Bowl favorite? Probably not. Or do you take 15 million and come back to where you're comfortable, to where you're a reigning Super Bowl champion, and run it back again? And, like, I feel like this, it's really like a hard thing to say, hey, we want you back, but not that much to say to Shaq Barrett. But I think the Bucks did everything that was right in this scenario. I think they're going to have to bend an ending, ending up letting Ndamukong Sue walk. But if you can bring back all three of those guys, like I feel like you've they've got to be the favorite for next year. Especially with the Saints falling apart right in front of them for sure. That was their biggest competition in the NFC, just because those teams were so well-rounded as opposed to someone like the Packers, who has very limited weapons and stuff like that. Just Devontae Adams running at him, basically. It, it's definitely going to be a scary sight to play the Bucs in the playoffs next year. Oh, yeah, definitely. And the Packers themselves have had some news. They had two big free agents that could have gotten the franchise tag. Aaron Jones and Corey Lindsley, neither one got the tag. Aaron Jones, there have been rumblings that he ends up in Miami. 
other places. Corey Lindsley could end up with your LA Chargers. A lot of teams that need interior offensive line. The Ravens maybe could make a run at him. But they didn't give the tag to the one I was personally, I was a little surprised that they didn't give it to Lindsley because I'm sure he was a guy that wouldn't have been opposed to playing on the tag. And one of their strengths this year was their offensive line, was their pass protection because their running game was able to build off that. Aaron Rodgers obviously had an MVP season behind that line. Now you've got Bakhtiar, you've got Elk Jenkins. They cut their right tackle, Ricky Wagner. Now you lose your all-pro center. I can't name you. I can name you on my hand how many times I've seen an all-pro player after an all-pro pro season just get the boot after that season. Like that, I've never seen that happen. I don't understand it personally. What do you think? Yeah, it's a little hard to believe. Granted, he is 30 years old. And they're expecting a drop-off, but it's surprising that they don't want to maintain that line after they saw what happened when Bakhtiari went down, just one link in the chain and Rodgers was getting killed against the Bucs. I'm not at all surprised about the Aaron Jones one, though. I don't think he's going to get the money that he's expecting. He's probably expecting somewhere in the 11 to $12 million range. But after the cutbacks on the salary cap due to COVID, there's, I don't think there's many teams out there that would be willing to sign him. Maybe Miami, but even they – seem like they wouldn't fully buy in on that, especially with their offensive line needs and yeah. with people like Corey Lindsley, Joe Tooney. There's a lot of big names out there. Still, and they can rebuild there. Yeah. Very recently, Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and obviously the Packers have got to know that you, you did take Jordan Love, but this year, this upcoming season may be one of your last, like, we're going to the, we could go to the Super Bowl this year seasons. So I don't know why you don't go all in. You think about the teams that were in the championship games last year, the bills went all in on digs. The chiefs went all in with giving Patrick Mahomes $500 million. The bucks went all in, you know, they made the moves to go get Brady like, and the Packers just sat still. They did it last year as, as a Aaron Rodgers fan and, a, a small part of me as a Packers fan because I love Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams carried me to a fantasy championship. So I watched a lot of their games and I really like the way that they play. I hope that they don't sit stagnant again because you're wasting Aaron Rodgers' career. It, it, uh, he's They're so already good. doing bad enough he's, in the draft, let alone free agency. <laughs> uh, and they'll take a fullback with their first round pick this year because they hate Aaron Rodgers for some godforsaken reason. So I, I don't have that lead block for AJ Dillon, well, right? Now yeah, that they're going to be running because, him. Yeah. Put Jamal Williams at fullback and AJ Dillon at running back. And that's your team next year. Sit Devontae Adams for no reason. Just let Aaron Rodgers show the world how good he is by taking away everything that could possibly help him. Strip him naked. Just let him do what Aaron Rodgers does. <sighs> so the biggest name that hit that was going to hit the market this year, Allen Robinson, a lot of teams that needed receivers were talking about Allen Robinson, one that I thought was personally going to end up hitting free agency. The Bears did franchise tag Allen Robinson. I thought that 
if they don't let him walk, they would have just gave him the long-term deal that he's wanted. You know, you've suffered through Mitchell Trubisky. Pay him, please. He deserves it so much. But what do you think of them tagging Allen Robinson? I, well, personally, I hate it because I like Allen Robinson and I want him to be with an actual quarterback, not named Blake Bortles or Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles, who's not on the Eagles. <laughs> but uh, it definitely seems like they might be making the push for Rush. I mean, giving him at least one notable weapon, they might be able to – they might send off Khalil Mack and a pick or two here for Russ, and it seems like they're trying to package together a team that can still win when Russ comes in just by bringing back an actual weapon in Robinson. But otherwise, I hate the move. <laughs> so, question for you. If – Seattle demands Khalil Mack and two firsts for Russell Wilson. What do you say? I would try to get a third or fourth round pick in return just because Mack, even though he hadn't shown it, he's still one of the best talents on the defensive line. And it's oh, yeah. two firsts. Yeah. Well, I've tried to, you try to pinch something out of him. Yeah. I've seen Bears fans on Twitter say, I have seen 50 good Bears linebackers in my lifetime. I have seen zero good Bears quarterbacks do whatever it takes to get Russell Wilson. And I fully agree. Like, I mean, you can get like, they've got Roquan Smith now. I mean, obviously different position edge rusher versus a coverage middle linebacker, but he had an all pro type season. Like he had a very, very, very good year. And you can go get an edge rusher. You can go sign a Bud Dupree or somebody like that if you can get Russell Wilson, because if you get Russell Wilson, that puts you right there with Green Bay in that division. That puts you, I mean, obviously still under Tampa Bay, but that puts you right around New Orleans, Green Bay, the Rams, like in the, in that, yeah, I, that's wouldn't, a- I wouldn't call it the second tier of the NFC, but because I feel like the Bucks are almost in a tier of their own. 1B. One yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it puts you in 1B if you can get Russell Wilson, even if it means giving up Khalil Mack. Now, if I'm Seattle, I don't even know if I'd want Khalil Mack in two firsts because you, it's not like you have a replacement plan at quarterback. Like, you have nothing. There's nothing there. I, As weird as it is to say, I'd at least want Mitchell Trubisky. In, addi- in addition to Khalil Mack, not instead of Khalil Mack, in addition to Khalil Mack. <laughs> because that – that would be horrible. Seattle agreed to a deal of Mitchell Trubisky and two firsts. I think that would set some, some Seattle fan would probably Somebody. stadium on fire because I would, I, if I was a Seattle fan, I don't even know what I'd say. Honestly, move, just move, <laughs> just move. Out of yeah. The but the Bears need to make some sort of push when Jay Cutler owns pretty much every Bears quarterback record, you, 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 have you should to, probably yeah. take a look in the mirror. You have to have an internal conversation with yourself. What are we doing? And I definitely like the move of Chicago going for Russell Wilson as opposed to Deshaun Watson because, like, as weird as it is that the Bears have kind of, like, they are a pretty young team and they're kind of pushing. They're not as young as a lot of people think. Like, a lot of their pieces are getting into their late 20s. And Russell Wilson fits well, that time. about 30, isn't he? Yeah. 
Khalil Mack is 27. I mean, obviously, if he ends up going, but you got guys like Danny Trevathan, Eddie Jackson. Those aren't – they're not young players. So, they're definitely going to be making a push. Like, it's all in. If you get Russell Wilson, you go now, and you go at it as hard as you can. You go get all the veterans, everyone that you can afford. You max the salary cap out this year. You got to go all in. Uh, so, yeah, there's no way they can't. They have to at least put some package there. It's yeah. Russell Wilson. He's still a top five quarterback, undoubtedly. Oh, yeah. And uh, the you're not going to have the weapons. And honestly, is the Bears' protection that much better than Seattle's? Like, is it? I have it, I don't know if it's just Mitchell Trubisky or the offensive line, but if Montgomery's able to run the way he was at the end of the year, I don't. I wouldn't put it all on the offensive line. Yeah, I it's. I think the Bears' situation, like offensively, it's pretty similar because you know Montgomery and Chris Carson, pretty similar skill. You have one less. You don't have Tyler Lockett. You've got Allen Robinson and DK are pretty similar, but you don't have a Tyler Lockett on that team unless you really want to consider Darnell Mooney, Tyler Lockett. Well, but he the, had Mitch the, Trubisky over third and by 10 yards oh, every oh, pass. He was yeah. wide open on a lot of them. But the defense is really the difference. The defense pushes, you know, if if Seattle had Chicago's defense, that pushes them from 10 and 6 to 13 and 3. And it pushes you from a first-round exit to probably a conference championship game because, I mean, with everything that they've got, I think Russell Wilson on the Bears would be a great move for, honestly – for both sides because Seattle it's just not working. Like you don't, you can't continue to sit at 10 and six and get kicked out in the first year or the first round. You've got to, you got to make a move. I don't know what they do at quarterback, but a team that doesn't have any idea what they're doing at all. The Detroit lions. (laughs) (laughs) What back to the Detroit slander. If this podcast ever makes it to Detroit, they are going to be very upset with you. Oh, man. Yeah, we're going to – next week we're doing Red Wing Slander because why not? Blitz buckets <laughs> and hockey pucks. Um, Kenny Galladay, just uh, – why? Why do you just let him walk? I like – I know that they're a little struggling for cap, but you could get at least a second-round pick out of Kenny Galladay, if not a first. Tag him, trade him. The Ravens him. would definitely push for that. <laughs> the Ravens would easily send 27 or wherever they're picking for Kenny Galladay, like in a heartbeat, especially with Allen Robinson getting the tag. Now, now they're scrambling. Yeah. Like, I mean, and the report was that Baltimore is not looking to add a A-tier receiver. They're going to look more in like the B-grade guys. I really thought that Tyrell Williams was headed there because he just seemed like a Ravens they're signing. Gonna- no, they're going to get A.J. Green because they like to watch oh, receivers. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> the long list of Crabtree, Steve Smith. Crabtree, Derek Mason, Steve Bolden. Smith. It just goes on. <laughs> Bolden was still kind of prime, but he was falling off. I, I hope the Ravens get Juju. So then, because the Ravens fans were the biggest ones, like, ha-ha, Juju dances on TikTok. And now they're gonna, that's going to be their problem. I can't wait for Juju to dance on our logo. I, I really can't wait for that. But yeah, if you're Detroit, I don't know why you don't tag and trade Kenny Galladay as a team that has like, they're three years away from rebuilding. Like they're that bad because they're horrible. 
that you've you've got to pay golf. You still have to pay golf's contract. And he sucks. Especially like without McVeigh, he sucks. So you're giving you're giving like 20% of your cap to golf. So you can't even really make moves in the future to like work towards rebuilding. You all you can do is draft. So trade Kenny Galladay for a first round pick, get an extra prospect that you can have and develop until you're ready to start playing like a winning team again. I don't, I, I don't mean, that team's that inevitably going to get a first round pick under golf's contract. There's no way they aren't going to be the worst team in the NFL at some point. They don't have Kenny Galladay and they don't have Marvin Jones. They have no receivers. They have TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift. That's it on offense. But it, I'd be as surprised. Far as Kenny Galladay goes, as far as Kenny goes, one move I'd like to see if Watson actually gets traded and the Texans somehow get a quarterback back, Fuller and Kenny Galladay with maybe two attack of low on that rookie contract because they could actually afford him then with that yeah. running duo of Mark Ingram and David Johnson now, uh, you have a formidable offense. Uh, God, that, that, uh, that offense just reeks of like weird players that aren't big names but are solid enough. Uh, Tua, I'm not high on Tua, but he's still young, so maybe, but – Mark Ingram is 2015, David Johnson is 2016, and Will Fuller and Kenny Galladay are not quite household names, but they're really good. Ugh, ugh that just reeks. That, that would be a really good receiving duo if you truly – they play oh, two yeah. similar styles, but yeah. Oh, yeah, those two together would be, you know, up there with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Like, there's not too many teams that have two receivers that good – but it's oh, that's just such a weird, weird offense. But still no defense. But oh yeah, you see some offense. <laughs> just work on Tua. go one half of the field at a time. But Detroit, I would be surprised if they aren't the worst team in the NFL next year. They suck and they can't make any improvements. Like I, I've tried like in mock drafts that I've made. Like them picking at seven is just like the weirdest pick in the draft because I have no idea what to take because everything is a need. Like I could literally see them taking every position except for running back and tight end. They're not going to take quarterback. They're going to hold off on that. They yeah. got their answer for now and Jared Goff. <laughs> but like, uh, and I mean, it's Detroit. So obviously I hate them because I'm a huge Detroit hater for some reason after this podcast. Or, I mean, they do have probably the worst hockey team, the worst basketball team, the worst football team right now because the Red Wings are sitting at the bottom of the conference too. We'll have to pick that up just to follow Detroit sports. We'll we'll pick up <laughs> hockey and baseball just to shit on Detroit sports. Oh yeah, the Tiger Wingers are horrible too. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Oh, man, and plus plus if you're Detroit, you whiffed on Okuda last year, like. He, yeah, he was hurt for a lot of it, but he was rough. He was not. He was I mean, rough. now corners are tough because a lot of guys, a lot of first year corners are not very good. It's very rare to see a corner come in, even if they're picked at three. It's very rare to see a corner come in and be a huge impact player day one. But man, they are, they are in a really tough, like, ugh. They I feel like they have to take someone who can pan out long-term, like Micah Parsons. Because linebackers yeah. are willing to stick with somebody for a long period of time. 
that's that's receivers actually, they're gonna one out instantly <laughs> yeah especially with jared goff without a sean McVay scheme throwing him the ball i i if i was kenny galladay i'd one out too like i totally understand him leaving <sighs> maybe he threatened to just sit out if they tagged him like Le'Veon did oh i'm dude, not if, coming back if they tagged him to keep him oh my god like that that's just <laughs> hell like you're literally holding and i mean detroit worst place in the world so you're keeping kenny galladay there when, when he could go to some team that actually matters in the grand scheme of things and like i yeah. i definitely thought that they won the stafford trade because like i mean obviously i thought both teams won but a lot of people thought that detroit lost by a lot what they got back is you know you're adding what was it two firsts like I think of three because of golf being yeah. Jared Goff. Oh yeah, that's right. So and if you're a team like if you're a team like Detroit that has absolutely no talent anywhere, sure, I'll take on golf's contract. It doesn't matter. By the time the players that we're gonna be drafting over the next few years are good enough, golf's gonna be gone. So then we can and there's no Aaron Rodgers in your division by that point, probably either. So then you can actually make a legitimate run. I don't know why I'm so angry. Yeah, that trade was fair because in Detroit in general, obviously. That trade kind of worked out for both because Rams obviously in win now. Lions absolutely nowhere near being a good team. So one's playing for the future, one's playing for now. But Jared Goff, whoever ends up with him, is usually losing to a degree. Also, one more team with their, I guess, offseason plan. How do the Saints continue to do this every year? How do you stay 40 million above the cap and still sign players? Like every year for like the last six years, they've been able to, they've been over the cap heading into the offseason. They retain all their top guys. They sign new guys and nothing happens every year. Like it's it's legitimately getting to the point where like some we need to have a conversation. Why is this happening? They just tagged Marcus Williams. I think the free safety tags like 11 or 12, something like that. I, I don't get it. Well, they did manage to somehow get back under $30 million in debt. And they're probably going to cut Quan Alexander, which will save them a lot. But I, I don't know how. The best move they could probably do is cut Taysom Hill in there. Sean Payton's setting his ways on him. I'll, so I'll, I'll never understand why. I didn't. They're paying sixteen million to a glorified special to a tight end <laughs> to a tight end slash quarterback in fantasy. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, I I didn't know what to do when that happened because like he's taking what it was like ninety percent of the snaps at quarterback when Breeze went down and he was still listed a tight end and you picked him up and I was like. I don't know what to do about this. I can't just be like, well, you have to cut him. I feel like that's unfair. But you had two quarterbacks planned. I know. It was only it only lasted a week, so it kind of resorted itself thanks to ESPN. <laughs> they really saved us all. <sighs> yeah, I really do not understand why I know it's Sean Payton's glory boy and Taysom Hill, but 16 million, you couldn't get him for Less than 10? The only thing... not even the true succession plan at this point. Jameis even looks better almost. Yeah. Because Taysom showed nothing in the past game. 
the only thing that I could think of is the Saints saying, we will pay you double whatever other teams want to offer you just because we want to have you. Like, he – I think Sean Payton's mindset is if anyone can unlock what you can do, I want it to be us. Because, I mean, I'm not going to say that he's not talented. I don't like Taysom Hill, but I'm not going to say he's not talented. But I think they Lamar were just – Lamar brain, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah, I, white Lamar Jackson. I think they were just trying to save – him or save themselves from another team figuring out how to use him while they were still, you know, had Drew Brees. Good. I mean, overall, there's there's still talks of them. Nate, if Brees actually does retire, they might trade for a quarterback. And in that case, Cameron Jordan, couple picks, probably headed to Seattle, team like that. But – other than that, I don't see how they can sign anybody. They they're gonna have to draft really well, just like um, like just like the Packers, just like the Chiefs. They're gonna have to draft well because they're so far in the hole. Well, clearly it doesn't matter. They've been so far in the hole for like six years. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Sign sign Kenny Galladay. Who cares? Doesn't matter. <sighs> Oh, that's a negative twenty-six million in debt. I thought that was positive twenty-six. <laughs> I, that's how the NFL. That's how Goodell sees it. He just closes his eyes and signs. I don't. Like continue to get away with it every single year. Like they're literally the how do they keep getting away with it every year? I and bet then every, make mid-season trades for top-tier guys somehow, yeah. like Quan Alexander last year. How do they even afford him? Yeah, they. Um, last year they signed Emmanuel Sanders. The year before they signed Jared Cook. Like. It's just every year. I remember it being a problem when they signed Jarius Bird, who has been out of the league for like three, four years now. I remember it being a problem when they signed him, and everybody was like, whoa, what's going on here? They can't do that. And they've been doing it for like seven years now. There is no salary cap in New Orleans. It doesn't exist. Somehow they've, they managed to make a pretty complete team, but of course when you're $60 million fast – the salary cap, you should have a good team. Every it only makes year. sense. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up. Thank you for attending our Detroit hate session. Um, we hope to have you back next week. I don't know what city we're going to be doing. I don't, I don't know. We'll figure something out. We'll figure out a team that I don't like, and then we'll hate on every single one of their sports teams. So we'll try to have this out next week. Mitchell, I appreciate you coming on, helping us out in a pinch, and we definitely plan on having you on again in the near future. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Jaden. I'm always happy to come on, and I'm looking forward to hopefully an exciting free agency and draft in the upcoming month. Yes, me too. Me too. All right, well, I think that's the podcast for today. We are still on Apple Music, Spotify. Don't know when we're going to end up on YouTube. Eventually, we'll get there. That's about it. All right, thank you, everybody. Have a good night.